I don't have a sermon this morning. It's kind of unusual for me, huh? I have nothing to give you. You're probably wondering, why did I come? <laughs> but I think there's times when we have nothing. It's when God takes over. Amen. Coming down from the upper room, the disciples saw the man begging alms. And they said, we don't have nothing to give you. Didn't have any money. Didn't have any food on them. But they said, such as I have, give I unto you. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. It's time today for the church is going to again stand up and walk. Amen. I've heard so much doom and gloom about the history of the church in America, and I'm just getting tired of that. Because when I read in my Bible, the Bible said in the last day, he's going to pour his spirit out on all flesh. I don't think the church is going down. But I want to talk to you about uh, some choices that we all have to make and how good God is. In seminary or even Bible college, they tell you when you preach a sermon, try to make one point and get that one point across, and that's all. But I'm going to make my professors wrong today, uh, my teachers. I'm, I'd like to make two points today. One of the points I want to make is we're in Exodus 4.2, uh, when God was having a conversation with Moses and he was calling him to lead the children of Israel out of bondage, and Moses was making excuses. We don't know what those are, do we? You never make excuses about anything, do we? We always do everything right on time. Don't you wish? But he came down to the point where he asked Moses, said, he didn't say, Moses, how much education do you have? He was very educated in the halls of Pharaoh, in the courts there. He was very educated, very powerful man, very brilliant man, I believe. He didn't ask him how he could fight because he had been trained to fight. Uh, that's, not all, that's not needed to win. But he said, Moses, what is that in your hand? I don't want to talk about that for a little bit. I'm going to use my own experience. I was born, you already know how old I am, so it won't hurt me to say. I was born in 1942. You didn't know I was that young, did you? And as soon as I was born, I was born almost with pneumonia. And by the time they got me to the hospital, I had quit breathing. And the doctor says, there's nothing we can really do for this baby. And my mom said, well, will you try it? Will you do something? And they believed in the Lord at that time, and they were praying. And a couple of days later, I was released and went home. I grew up in an area here in Bakersfield, uh, out in Pumpkin Center. I don't say that with a lot of pride. But cause back, back in my day, anyway, when I was out there, and Greenfield, and you either had to learn to fight or someone bigger and you'd take your lunch money. You had to learn to fight because your little brother had polio and they teased him about it because his arm was on half the length that it should be. 
But you know he became a drummer. All things are possible unto them that believe. My brother became a drummer, prayed for Merle Haggard, Buck Owens, with an arm that was only about that long. He could play. My sister had polio, and she would be a girl uh, on the bus. They would tease her. And, of course, I wasn't big brother, but I was just under her, and you had to learn to fight to take care of your sister. I grew up being a fighter, uh, and in a way that was really good to prepare me for Vietnam. Uh, you can't be a wimp over there. Someone asked the pastor if I'd be afraid of something not long ago, and he said, I don't think Wayne would be afraid of anything. And the only one thing I'm afraid of is failing my Lord. Chris asked me the other day, she comes to our house once a week, and we, we pray, and she does some things and helps us. And She said, you know what? I, I hope God has people, aliens, or people on another planet. I said, why would you want God to have other people? She said, because we have let him down and hurt him so bad. I'd like to think there's a, there, there's a race somewhere that's never hurt Jesus, never let him down, never, you know, never. And I thought, I never heard of that before. But I've heard him so many times. I grew up married, uh, 17, three children before I was 21. That was a fight. Uh, diapers, all in diapers at one time. Of course, when we quit changing diapers, we quit all of them just about, you know, just over with. <clears throat> uh, I grew up drinking and uh, running around and going to dances, but not with my wife, <laughs> with other people. I got in trouble with the law. <clears throat> Some of this you heard. I got in trouble with the law, and the judge said, you like to fight? I'm going to give you so many years in prison, or you can volunteer to go to Vietnam to be drafted and sign up for Vietnam. Bring me those papers back. I'll reduce it to a misdemeanor. It was a felony. God has everything in control. There is nothing I don't believe that happens by chance. It doesn't matter who we are, what the situation in our life is. God is still in control. We may think he's not, and we may look at our government and think he's not, but God is still in control. God is still King of kings and Lord of lords, and every knee's still going to bow, and every tongue's still going to confess that he is Lord of all. Even the devil himself's going to have to bow. Most of you know this part, but I, in Vietnam... My fighting skills weren't enough. Where I was raised and the bad stuff and the meanness and all wasn't enough. There were people trying to kill me. And I had a wife and three kids at home. I was 25 years old. Most of my men were 18 or 19. I came to a point. One day I laid my rifle down and I said, God, 
I'm not sure you're real. I don't really know how much. I don't know much about you. I went to Sunday school all my life. My mom dragged me there, but drag your children. <laughs> when I got saved, some of the men thought I was shell-shocked or I'd been through too much. And they'd say, the old man's lost his mind. Something's wrong with him. Because I didn't know any adult songs. So I'm saying, you know, the Lord Jesus loves me, this I know. And they're looking at me and saying, what? Yeah, that, I didn't know the I didn't know the big songs or nothing. But I didn't really know who Jesus was. I'd heard the story about Moses and, and the ark. And I'd heard all the stories. But I didn't know about Jesus. I said all that to say this. He didn't care what I had done. He didn't care where I was born. He didn't care what people thought of me. He didn't care how many people I heard fighting. I was, was smart enough when I worked out with weights all the time, so I didn't get whooped too many times. And the night that I put up, fought all the policemen, that's what they got me for and sent me to prison. You want to send me to prison for fighting the police? About eight of them. And I didn't get hurt. He didn't care about that. All he saw was a little lost sheep that needed a shepherd. We used to have a plaque in our house that said, I asked Jesus, how much do you love me? And he stretched out his arms and he died. That's love. I'm very blessed. I have a wife that would die for me. I don't want her to. I hope she never has to. But I have a wife that would die for me too. I know, I know a God that would have. He did. And a wife that would. I'm very blessed. Paul said in 1 Corinthians, the first chapter, and he was one of the most educated, most brilliant men in history. Could have talked on any given subject. But he wrote the Corinthian church and he said, when I come, I'm, going to determine, I'm determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I love my pastor so much and I appreciate him. I appreciate his heart, what he just did. He loves Jesus. I've had the privilege of meet with him and pray with him as an elders and, uh, and uh, out just fellowshipping. And he loves Jesus with all his heart. How many love Jesus that way? I want to say something hard right here. Because it's hard for me. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. So I cannot say that I've always loved him. I love, I love these people here in this, over here. When I was on, away from the Lord and on drugs, living in a cheap motel, I think it was on Union Avenue, him and a friend came and prayed for me. We're talking about Marvin. And then when I started on my way to being clean, I met with the Rices one day at Denny's. You remember that? And we talked about how, how God could do for me. Man sitting here prayed for me, and I've been healed. 
But Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And I thought all the things I could say, and I don't want to, because there's, we break them in different ways, the, the commandments. And the commandments are not just the Ten Commandments written on stone, you know, that God gave to us, or gave to, the, gave to us, all of us. And, but they're the ones that's in the New Testament. I was studying or listening to uh, James Dobson, I think it was, uh, Chuck Swindle, and he said 25 years ago, and I remember him saying that 40% of the Christian church pays tithes. Oh, no, don't get on that. I thought, that's pretty good. I read a statement the other day, I don't remember just who, where it came from, that said, the average American church, 5% of the people pay tithes. And I'm not preaching tithes. But I was wondering, we have a veterans outreach. We have church without walls. We feed at Pastor Chip's church. And so many outreaches our church has. I was wondering what we could do. We had 100% participation in paying tithes. We might even be able to buy a pastor a new car someday. Praise the Lord. Amen. That's okay. That'd be good, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be good? I pastored a church that bought me a new car every two years. Oldsmobile, 98. Every two years, I expect a new car. I didn't want it. I mean, it asked for it. Pastor Appreciation Month, they bought me a new car. But I was wondering if we kept all of God's commands, what the church could do. But what would it do for us? To be so obedient. God loves us. When I was disobedient, when I came home from Nam, I started pastoring a little church in Vermont. And went from there, I went to Lompoc. And after I got to Lompoc, I was able to go to school and get some education. Pastoring that church. Pastored it for nine years. Still going. We have a school from preschool all the way up through the eighth grade that we started. It wasn't up that high when I left, but They've got it all the way through the eighth grade now. And I wonder what, I'm going to go back. I wonder what, remember the scripture I showed you in Exodus 4.2? God said, what's in your hand? Moses, what is that in your hand? And he said, a staff. My watch is broken, there's no clock, so you're in for it. <laughs> no, my watch is not broke. <laughs> I heard a preacher say one day, though, or a pastor's wife said that her preacher usually, husband usually preached about 20 minutes, and then he quit. Well, he'd put a cert in his mouth, and when it was gone, he figured out it was about 20 minutes. Well, this one day, he's preached 30, now it's 40, and she's waving at him, pointing at the watch, and so he finally looks down and says, oh, wow. So he reaches in, and it's a button. I promise you, I'll never preach as long as he did. <laughs> what the Lord put on my heart today was to tell you, I have nothing to give you except love. But he has everything you need. You need a job? He's got one. He has one for you. There's some of you here that have bitterness in your heart about some things. He has the will and the power to take all that away.
All you have to do is say, Lord, take that bitterness out of my heart. When I fell, when I came back, I was so bitter. I was bitter against God because I fell. I blamed God for a little while, and then I blamed pastors and people that were trying to help me. Well, if they had the power they should have, God would help me. But in God's time, he delivered me and set me free. I was set free from heroin instantly, instantly, without any withdrawals at all in Ron Pennington's church. I got up and ran out of the church, and my wife followed me, and the pastor was preaching. I think he was up front anyway. He, he jumped off the platform and ran out there and said, I know where you're going, but can I just lay hands on you for five seconds and, and ask God to help you? And I said, yeah. And so he went like that and said, Father, just help him in Jesus' name. And I got well. You know, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. We have a young man in our church, been clean right out a year, came up one morning and said, I, I'm struggling with this addiction and I need prayer. And I've tried everything. So we just took a second and prayed for him in Jesus' name, be free. And he testified the last time I preached, remember? That he's been clean all that time. He's still clean. God is still clean. God is still the same. He's not changed. Whatever you need, there's a scripture in the Bible, and I'm going to close, but there's a scripture in the Bible that says, you ever hear Jimmy Swaggart preach? You know how many times he says he's going to close in a sermon? So don't pay no attention to me. But there's a scripture in 1 Kings, 17th chapter. Where Elijah goes up against the prophets of Baal. The people have turned to Baal in a lot of ways. They were offering sacrifices and they were doing a lot of things in, with Baal worship. But they were still holding on to God. Kind of walking the fence. Remember uh, when Elijah first prayed it wouldn't rain and God sent him to the brook Cherith? And the ravens fed him? And the brook, he got what, his water. The word cherith means separation. And when you get to that place when you're separated from everything but God, he'll take care of you supernaturally. I think we're going to have to get there. I don't, I don't talk about the elections. I just hope everybody votes. But it really doesn't matter uh, in a big way who becomes president. The answer is not with Hillary and it's not with Trump. You know what the answer to our country is? And I'm going to share this. I shared it one Wednesday night on the church this morning. The answer is Chronicles, 1 Chronicles 7.14, I think. If my people will humble themselves and pray, and that's not even enough. And then turn from their wicked ways. He said, I'll hear from heaven and I will heal their land. Our land can be healed spiritually, economically, in every other way. And it's been about six weeks now. I used to pray all the time when I was pastoring, pray two, three hours a day. And I don't say that for, for no other reason to make a point. I don't do that now. And I was praying one day, and the Lord just spoke to my heart. 
And he said, do you remember when I was in the garden praying? And I said, yes, Lord, I remember that. And I asked my disciples, would you pray an hour? I came back and they were asleep. I'm going to ask you, Wayne, will you pray an hour a day? Broke my heart. Broke my heart. I remember, and I know some of these older pastors, Lord, my age, do prayer meeting wasn't a circle, hold hands, everybody pray for a minute. I've seen churches pray all night long. Come in at six and leave the next morning at six to go to work. I, I, I've seen prayer lists for 24 hours, and people fill in you know, the hours and pray for an hour. I really believe, and I'm trying. I've even thought about getting an hourglass, you know, and stay down and we'll turn it over. And when it goes out, I tell oh, my hours up, but that's not really praying. But it's getting easier. You know, the more you do something, the easier it gets. That's how habits are birthed. The more you do them, you, you, you just build a habit. So I'm going to challenge you this morning. I'm not going to ask for hands, but I'm going to ask you to do what the Lord asked me to do. Could you begin spending an hour a day with the Lord in prayer? That's a big request in this day and age. Businessmen, you know, work all the time. But I remember in Lompoc going to school full time, had three children and a wife, pastoring a church full time, district overseer over all the churches on the coast, the Church of God's, and I still have that time. We can make that time. And now I'm not even a senior pastor, and I got to where I wasn't doing it. In closing, there we go again. Let's blame it on Jimmy Swaggart, I guess. I heard him preach. I still like to hear him preach. I've, had, I've said that places, and they, I've had people come to me and say, you still like to hear him preach? You know what he did 22 years ago? I say, yes. You know what I did 25 years ago? <laughs> you did all of that? And he said, well, you still love me? Still want me to be your pastor? Yeah. And you need to love him too. How many here, and I'm an old show fan, if God hadn't helped you, you'd still be an alcoholic. <laughs> still be a drug addict. Still look at pornography. Still watch movies you shouldn't watch. But the power of Jesus Christ has not changed. Anything we want our church to be, it can be. Again. You believe that? You believe that, Rich Ann? You believe it? I believe it. I don't somewhat. The pastor read a deal to, and to the elders not long ago, and it said by the year 2000, I'm not sure, 2000 something, that this country would not be a Christian nation. It would be a Muslim they don't have to be. If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray. I'm concerned about my church, not our church. Our church, I think, is doing good. And we're, we're, we're about to see something happen that I hope we're ready for. The Holy Spirit's about to do some things here because he told me he was. And I've shared a few things with the pastor, and he, he agrees with me. Uh, and I had a vision and I had a dream, and I got, I got to close, but I had a vision and a dream, and so I went to Diane Schilling, 
if anyone can give you the answer from God, she can. And so she gave me the answer. And I'm going to share one of them. In my dream, I was asleep, and, uh, but I was standing, and all of a sudden I saw a storm coming. And it was so black, and people were in it and staggering and sores all over them and just, you know, hungry. It, just, it, it was terrible. But as the storm got closer and closer to me, it split. And this side over here stayed dark, and the people in it were hungry and sores all over them. And this side over here, the light, the darkness became light, and the light became a golden light. And the people began, the sores began to go away. And the clothes they began to have on them began to be a white robe. And I asked her what that meant, and she was telling me, and I have two other people besides her told me in the church what the interpretation was, that God's leading us to the place is going to be have to make a choice. If God be God, then serve him. That's what Elijah said to the people on Mount Carmel, and they didn't answer a word. But when the fire from heaven fell, when the power of God fell, they said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. There is nothing he can't do. And so really it comes down to who's, what side are we going to pick? Do we want to be, you know, in the church and just, or do we want to be in the church that, that, like the book of Acts, that should be? That's up to us. It's up to you and to me our choices, and our prayer life. Are you in a ministry somehow? You have, you have one coming. <sighs> Do you know that? No? Okay. Get ready for what you doing. I thought when I came back to the Lord, and not, not comparing her to me, I, that she's fallen or nothing, but when I came back to the Lord, and people started saying, you need to be preaching again. You need to start pastoring again. And I just, no, I, I, I can't do that, you know. Why? Well, I failed God. You believe in forgiveness? Yeah. James came to me and said, you ready to go to work? And I said, I don't know. What do you want me to do? <laughs> he said, what do you want to do? I said, I want to minister to prostitutes, to drug addicts, and alcoholics. He said, well, you told me God said you couldn't go back out to Union Avenue. I said, yeah. He said, where are you going to get these people? I said, I don't know. So he gave me an office, furnished it with everything I needed, printed up some papers, made the announcement on Sunday night. Monday morning, a girl called. And I promise you, this will be my last story. A girl called. Made an appointment. We made the appointment. She walks in. We meet her. We we're sitting there talking. I said, she's a member of New Life Center. I said, what can we do for you? She said, I'm a prostitute. I have a good job, and I work eight hours a day, but it won't pay for my drugs. I'm a heroin addict. My job won't pay, so at night I go out and prostitute myself. I knew right then where they were going to come from, out of the body of Christ. God's searching. He's looking. He's wanting to draw people in. Whatever your need is, if you have a need of any kind, any addiction, anything... I keep saying that the spirit of bitterness 
He's here to meet that need. Would you stand? And the musicians come. I know this has been a different way for me to preach than usual, but I really feel like this is what God wanted me to have, wanted me to say. I'm going to ask you to do something uh, kind of big. Could everybody move into the middle? And I want to hold hands. I want there to be solidarity here. And instead of me praying for you individually, this is what I want you to do. I want you to begin praying for the person on your right that whatever they need, ask God to give it to them. And then turn to the person on your left and just pray for that person. The Bible said, pray ye one for another that your prayers might be heard. It said, if two or three shall agree touching one in any one thing, it shall be done. Father, right now is the body of Christ. This precious, precious, precious church. Precious church. It's your people, Lord. It's your body. You're the head. This is your bride, Lord. And brides need help a lot of time. New brides are, have fear a lot of time. They worry and concern about security. Worrying about what's going, what's going on in the world around them. I'm a bride now. I'm going to have children. And they worry about things. They're concerned. God, I pray right now. I pray for the spirit of peace and love and joy. For the spirit of the Lord to fall upon this congregation. They begin to feel your presence, Lord. In Jesus' name. Meet every need, Lord. Every need, every hurt. Take away all hurt, all pain. If there's financial needs, God, let them begin to happen today for them to be blessed today. In Jesus' name. I said earlier, and I dropped it, but I said, things, God, all things work together for good to them that love the Lord. I saw no reason, nothing good in Vietnam. I got saved. But God has used Vietnam to bless me. I just got a big raise. <laughs> and my wife and I know it. Twi we were living on Social Security. And we did good because everything's paid for. But we just got a big raise. They're paying me because I was in Vietnam, exposed to Agent Orange. You see, 49 years ago, God knew that. He knew what I needed. We'd have the need. God has it all worked out. Just follow him and pray. Spend time in prayer in Jesus' name.